Welcome to Tax Breaks, the Moody's Tax Podcast, where you find informed discussions, lively debate, and sometimes a little lighthearted fun around tax issues in Canada, the United States, and around the world. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm the CEO and Director of Moody's Tax, and I'm here with my colleague, Kenneth Kung. Kenneth, Hello, everyone. Kenneth is uh, a Director of Canadian Tax as well, and uh, today is September the, what day is it, 15th, and we're going to talk today, Kenneth, about the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy and some audits that are happening, um, and we uh, affectionately call it CHOOSE, <laughs> or other people have different pronunci- pronunciations, but I think for purpose of this podcast, we'll just call it CHOOSE. Yeah, we're too used to it. We're too used to it. Mm-hmm. So what what's going on, Kenneth? I mean, we we've... I know you've written a paper for the Canadian Tax Foundation that you're going to talk about the choose and you know as of September 6, 2020, what are some of the statistics about this emergency wage subsidy that the government of Canada has has put in place? Mm-hmm. And you're going to present this paper to the Canadian Tax Foundation next week as I understand it. Yeah, 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 it should be exciting. Lots of lots of lots of lots of things covered in that paper which of course we're going to we won't have time to talk about in this podcast, but I do want to point out that, according to this, according to the government, there have been three more than three hundred thousand applicants for choose, and the total dollar amount they handed out is more than thirty three point seven billion dollars, which is a big number. But having said that, I think it's under what they predicted by a fair amount, is it not? Because I think the original amount that they predicted, and still we have, you know, still a few months to go. A few months to go, but if you project it forward, if I recall correctly, it was eighty-two billion that they projected that they would hand out. Yeah, uh, is that just the wage subsidy or just the wage subsidy? Just the wage subsidy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I might be off on that, but I think it's pretty close to that. So, but having said that, that's a big number. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. can what can we expect? Kenneth? Well, well, we can certainly expect the CRA to be serious about. Auditing this, and I, and no doubt the um, the Canadian government will provide resources to the CLA so they have the sufficient resources to audit the heck out of this. Yeah, and I mean, and, and obviously, I think any reasonable person wouldn't disagree mm-hmm. that they should be reviewing it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I guess the question is, you know, their tactics, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And you know, to that end, Kenneth, you know, there is an article. And to be honest, you know, I, I actually missed this article until a little while ago, and I think you did too, but it was released, um, you know, where we found it was in the National Post on August 25th, 2020, where the CRA announced that they're going to do a, an audit pilot project to see if there's fraud prevalent in the wage subsidy. And, and uh, you know, just reading from the article here, which, you know, we'll put hyperlinks into, uh, uh, into the blog that will accompany this podcast, but... You know, they, some interesting things here that come out. They said that the CRA is going to uh, launch an audit pilot project to see if fraudulent applications are a problem with the Trudeau government's $82.3 billion. Yeah, so I am right. Yeah, so there's right. the number. Very good. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, flagship COVID corporate aid program. And it says it's detected a few illegitimate claims for the wage subsidy during the verification process. But the vast majority of first checks uh, come back clean. Okay. Well, I'll comment on that in a bit. And, you know, so, so 
you know, results from the prepayment verification work suggest that while there have been some cases of attempted misuse, the vast majority of claims are from legitimate employers seeking support to retain employees. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, but they want to, you know, do this audit pilot project. And so it's going to select a statistically valid sample size of corporate choose applicants and run a significant number of test, uh, test audits on them. And it didn't say how many files it'll do, but the idea is to determine how many, if any, of these applications are fraudulent, inflated, or even unintentionally erroneous. And then that data will then inform the size and scope of a large-scale audit schedule for the fall. And it wants to do this pilot project to learn about audit, audit and verification challenges. So, you know, not surprising, Kenneth, that they mm -hmm. would want to do that given the size. Um, but, you know, before we comment on, on these audits, you know, what's, what have been some of the comments that our firm and you and I in particular have made about the CHOOSE program? Um, do we think that there's a lot of fraud in, in the program or is it, maybe fraud's a little heavy, but do we suspect that there's probably, you know, applications that are being made without appreciating the complexity of this subsidy? For sure, for sure. That anyone who have applied for CHOOSE would know how easy it is and how de deceivingly simple it is to apply for choose and and unless you are you are you have poured through the detail of the legislation uh, a business person will not understand all the nuances and complexity behind all the requirements and and even though we don't like the word you know, talk about fraud but they, I'm sure there is fraud going on be just because of how easy it is to apply and to get to get the checks really quickly. Well, and we've been pretty vocal on that, and I'll speak for myself, I've been very vocal on that. You know, even with CERB, you know, the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, um, a number of clicks, click, 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 mm -hmm. boom, there comes your check. Yep. Um, which is deceivingly simple, but the legislation behind especially the wage subsidy, is some of the most complex legislation I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And frankly, even though it's important and I would not want to do this, and I haven't done this, I just want to see this complexity disappear because it's too difficult. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it keeps guys like you and I really, really busy. And, you know, I think there's been, because people realize, you know, the sophisticated people realize that, sophisticated businesses realize that, that this is tough, um, you know, there's been a reluctance to apply for it, which I think is evidence of, you know, $33 billion, I think you said, versus 82. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the pickup, I think there's a lot of scared people out there uh, to apply. So in any event, that's a different issue that we won't talk about. But long story short is, what are they doing now, Kenneth? Um, you know, what should people be concerned about? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, one of your contact, Kim, have uh, have shared a yeah you want me to talk about that letter. yeah mm -hmm. so Aaron Schechter who's a tax partner um, with Crow Silverman in, in Toronto and I'm connected with him on my personal LinkedIn account really really good guy uh, really sharp person um, posted yesterday on his LinkedIn account a copy of an audit letter that he received or his client received dated September 11th 2020 you and I have looked at this. Yeah, what's our initial comments? Mm -hmm. So the the cover letter from CRA is they are doing a limited scope audit 
and requesting access to a bunch of documents in, in, in their appendix. And then you flip to the appendix and it is a lot that they're asking for, for this so-called limited scope audit. Well, it's a nine-page letter. I mean, we're looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first word that came and popped in my head when I looked at the thing was, wow. <laughs> was that the first thing that you... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first, I did not realize there was an appendix, and then I saw it, and and then as well, yeah. Yeah, it's, and so I have to think that this is, you know, the audit pilot project that that National Post article talked about, mm -hmm. and if so, that's a hell of an audit pilot project. So, <laughs> um, the other thing that struck me is, is that they're giving, what was it, ten days for this particular person to respond, uh, with all the material. Ten, and, and I'm sure that, you know, they can get that extended would be my guess. But, you know, the 10 days to respond to a nine-page audit request seems a little bit uh, too ambitious. Yeah. So and, and listen to, like, what, what they are asking for, all these things they're asking so, for. So like, go ahead. What, what are they asking for, Kenneth? Uh, minute books of basically all the entities in your corporate group. Asking for both um, for both 2019 and year 2020 here, so GL data, yearly trial balance, which is okay, but then monthly trial balance. Not not all businesses have monthly trial balances for the 2019 years. And I'm sure they want to do that in order to verify the monthly mm -hmm. revenue decline, right? Yeah. So, but yeah. But not only that, to to back up that revenue data, they want monthly sales report broken down by revenue type and sources sales journals, cash receipt journals, bank statements, adjusting journal entries, all sort of reconciliations. And and then, um, of course, all the computation as to how that person calculated the qualifying revenue. They want you to provide all your re revenue recognition policy for all your items in your revenue accounts. And also providing source of revenue, I guess, to see whether they're arm's length, not arm's length, um, uh, whether they're in Canada or not. Um, and and then there's the wages side. Uh, they want breakdown of payroll by employee, by basically by week, because remember, choose is calculated by week. Um, you can't actually actually just aggregate wages paid in a month and and use that. Uh, and they said that for any irregular pay periods, they want to see timesheets. So, so if you if you have hourly employees who get paid by the hour, they want to make sure all the hours are in the in the week that you say they are in, and then they want employment contracts, I guess, to make sure that the person you're paying is actually an employee. Because there's probably a lot of businesses who switch their contractors to employees to qualify for more choose. Well, now they want to take a look at these employment contracts to um, make sure they're just truly on employees. That point. Let's say you're Air Canada and you've applied. <laughs> Are they going to have to provide, I don't even know how many employees Air Canada has, but let's let's <laughs> say tens of thousands of employment contracts? Sounds like uh, a... I mean, that's that's ridiculous. So you even, even look at a firm like ours. I mean, how long would you have... I mean, we have employees that come and go and mm -hmm. you'd have to provide employment contracts. I mean, that's just a very laborious exercise, in my view, for not a lot of win. So, anyhow... Keep yeah. going, Kenneth. Uh, and and of course, proof of payment. Um, well, in most cases, proof of payments to employees shouldn't be that hard. But uh, if you have wages accrued but not paid, then then you got some explaining to do. Um, 
and and there's more if you made elections um, and and such. So, oh, mm -hmm. I mean, when I looked at the election side of it, um, you know, it, it's a it, it's point number eight on this particular letter, and we will have a hyperlink in the you know in the blog that accompanies this podcast. But um, you know, they want <laughs> they, they want uh, you know a bunch of information with respect to those those elections, and then there is somewhere in here where they want the reasons that you chose that election. I, I'm just having trouble yeah. point, uh, finding to it. Some F. Is F it F? F? Yeah. yeah, and oh yeah, an, expl an explanation why this method was selected. Well, how are you supposed to answer that? Well, we selected it in order to maximize the shoes <laughs> play. <laughs> That's. That seems rather silly to me, uh, but there, there, there is actually no purpose test for. There's no no purpose anti-avoidance test for that specifically election. So yeah, I'm not sure why. They and then that. the other one that caught my eye: qualifying revenue item number ten on this checklist. Mm -hmm. Exclusions. Please provide a breakdown of these items: extraordinary items, revenues from non-resident related people, revenues from non-resident persons, government subsidies. Mm -hmm. And on extraordinary items, I have received many calls of people trying to trying to call things extraordinary item in order to exclude them from revenue in right. 2020. Right. A lot of them relates to, well, I, I'm only making this money because of COVID. Uh, I am uh, switching to a delivery, food delivery business instead of serving food in a restaurant. Looks, uh, they, they, they say, this sounds like extraordinary item to me. Right? Or some say, uh, I bought this, I bought this, I expanded my business. And I don't, and the circumstances means I, they, they didn't, I, they didn't uh, qualify for that special election for asset continuity on a sale, and they want to treat it all as extraordinary. Well, extraordinary item is not defined in the choose legislation, but in but they do the choose legislation refer to your normal accounting practices. Now, in all the um, when when extraordinary item it was still a thing in GAP, uh, no no longer is. But back when it was a thing, the the, the requirements are very stringent has to be a very rare event, um, not typical of your ordinary activities, and it has to be completely outside of management control. Uh, and, and the CRA have kind of echoed those requirements too in their FAQ. Right. So any of those things I mentioned, like switching mode of business, expanding your business, all those are are not extraordinary events. Yeah, it, so we could go on and on, Ken, but we better wrap up here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we the you know the purpose of this podcast is mainly just to put people on notice you know what the CRA is doing perhaps don't be surprised if you're part of this audit pilot project or some of your clients are, are subject to it uh, I worry about the thoroughness of this um, because some people that are selected some companies that are selected for this could literally spend you know hundreds of hours on this hopefully they've done a lot of the homework uh, in advance and got ready for you know for review I know a lot of the people that we have have certainly done that so hopefully it's not that laborious but some of the stuff that they're asking for in my view just goes over the top and so all that to say Kenneth uh, we're here to help and mm -hmm. and uh, get ready for a review so any any other words of wisdom Kenneth well, if this is if this is what they call limited scope audit We'll just have to see what a full audit looks like. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks very much. Have a great day, everybody. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.